Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. All right, good morning, Crossroads. Welcome to our Sunday morning worship celebration uh, where we love celebrating Jesus even when we can no longer pretend like it is summer. And I think it's crystal clear now that, yeah, it no longer is. Uh, We are full on into fall, uh, which brings us to uh, just a quick reminder, next Sunday, Sunday, October 15th, is our fall feast where we're just telling people bring a favorite fall dish. And again, I hope we don't end up with like 17 pumpkin pies, but if we do, that's okay. But bring your favorite fall dish to share. And immediately following the Sunday celebration, uh, we're going to spend some time just hanging out, eating food together. If you have family and friends that you want to invite, feel free to invite them. Even if they don't want to come to the Sunday celebration, invite them to come hang out afterwards for food so we can all hang out together. Now, I'm sure everyone is fully aware of the war that's going on uh, in Israel, between Israel and Hamas. And I saw someone post that this isn't a Israel-Palestine thing. This is just an evil thing. And I know many of us have moved on and forgotten about this, but there's still a war going on in the Ukraine um, that many of us are paying for. But I, I thought it appropriate that we just spend some time just praying for peace. And that peace isn't going to come from a political solution that suddenly solves issues that have been going on between nations for hundreds or, in some cases, thousands of years. Peace isn't going to come because we elect the right person who suddenly decides, hey, I have this plan that's going to make everything all right. Peace is going to come that we as Christians believe when we are able to share with people from whether they be the Middle East, the Far East, every corner of the world that there is a God who loves them and wants them to love their neighbor like their self. So God, we pray for the war that's going on, not just in the Middle East, but just all over the world right now. There are nations fighting one another. There are continents where nations inside are fighting one another. And I'm sure just the political turmoil that's going on in our nation alone has many people upset. So we pray for your peace. We pray for the peace that transcends all understanding. We pray for the peace that you as God can only provide to people that are hurting and broken and in need. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said amen. Amen. Um, Before we pray for the offering, and if you're here visiting, checking us out, don't feel obligated to give. Let this be our gift to you. But I wanted to share a verse of scripture really quickly. And it's from the book of James. James, the brother of Jesus. And he writes to the church, Christians everywhere, then and now, and he says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? And he's not saying that if we do enough that we'll get into good graces with God. He actually explains in the next verse what he means. He says, suppose 
a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And again, he's not saying that if we do enough, we do the right things, we'll earn our way to God. What he is saying is if we claim to be Christians and we see people in need and we're like, I'm going to pray for you, hope it all works out and just go on our merry way, we're not living out our faith. And this is one of the things you have probably seen people criticize Christians for when there's a, a tragedy, when there's a, a, a shooting, when there's like an earthquake or tornadoes or all this stuff. And all the Christians all over the world will put on their social media, we're praying for you. Pray for Israel, pray for Florida, pray for this community where this tragic thing just happened. And people see that, and they're the ones who say, I see you praying, but your prayers are useless, do something. Here's the problem, though. They don't see that most of these people, after they pray, will go take out their checkbook. Anyone use checkbooks these days? Will go take out their credit card, go online, and they'll donate money to help rebuild these areas. What they don't see is a lot of Christians is will, after they've donated money, they'll take time off of work and they'll go down and they'll help to rebuild these areas. And that's okay that they don't see it because we don't do it for them to see. We do it for the people in need and that's what the church is supposed to do. We're supposed to help people in need. So I bring this up because, and I'm shooting way in advance, I bring this up because like I said, we have a, a series of missionaries that we support uh, the one on your left in the purple shirt, uh, her name is Jane. Uh, she's in Africa, and I forget, uh, Senegal. And she is actually retiring. She's been doing it for like 35, 40 years over there, ministering to people, sharing the gospel with people, uh, living with people. Not just, hey, I'm here to you know, tell you how to live, but I'm here to be a part of your life and to be a living witness in your life of what God can do for you. She's retiring. She's actually going to be here in December. And we, we pray for her, but we also support her financially. So come January, I know, many months off. We're not thinking about that yet. But come January, when we have our annual business meeting, what I'm going to ask you guys to pray about now is that the finances that we use to support her, because when she retires, uh, I'm going to ask you guys to pray about using that money to support the diaper ministry that we support. We ask you guys, hey, bring in, you know, diapers so we can help them. Uh, I go over there periodically and help them and volunteer my time as well. Um, but I'm also going to ask, and it's not costing us anything more. It's just taking money that we're already giving. And in fact, it's not just giving to help a ministry, but giving to help locally, because this helps local people who are in need. Uh, this morning, we're continuing in a, a, our series. We're walking through the book of Ephesians, and I wanted to kind of ask a question to get us all on the same page. So um, how many people, raise your hand, it's okay, raise your hand in church, how many people um, like being told what to do by people you don't know? Raise your hand. Anyone? Okay, because I didn't want to have to call anyone a liar in church, but none of us do. Um, we don't even like it when people we do know try to tell us what to do, Right? We don't like it when coworkers, especially ones who you trained, try to tell you how to do your job. Nobody likes that. We don't even like when our boss tells us, but we like a paycheck, so we accept that, right? But most of us don't like 
when someone we don't know tries to tell us, here's what you're supposed to do, here's how to live your life. Um, and, and believe it or not, even religious folks don't like it when pastors and preachers try to say, here's the way you're supposed to live your life, and don't raise your hand to that, because I'm about to tell you, here's how we're supposed to be living. So, but we're going to walk through um, what looks like just what we talked about. Uh, it, it's, it's a guy named Paul, wrote to a group of people, and it's going to look like that here's this religious guy telling a bunch of people, here's how you're supposed to live your life, right? Uh, it's actually going to look like, because I've heard this, that it looks like just, and you guys have heard this too, the church trying to enforce their morality on random people. Anyone heard that before? That that's what the church, yeah, a lot of people think, yeah, that's what the church does, that we just try to force our morality on other people, which is not true. And if there are people that are doing that, and we know that there are, they shouldn't be because nowhere, nowhere, nowhere in the entirety of the Bible does God tell us, hey, if you're a Christian, you need to go out and tell other people how they should live their lives. You won't find a verse that says that. You will find plenty of verses where God says, hey, if you're a Christian, then you should live your life this way, in a Christ-like way. You will find that. But you won't find where he says, hey, Christians, go out and tell all these other people how they're supposed to live their life. Now, uh, Normally, and if you want to, you can jump to uh, the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in chapter 4 and 5. But this is going to be a list of what sounds like thou shalt and thou shalt not. Uh, thou shalt do this, thou shalt not do that. Uh, that's not exactly what it is. But I'm going to put all the verses up on the screen because I'm going to kind of like run through this list because I want to make sure we're getting it. And I want us to read this all together so you can see I'm not making this up. Uh, this is what the Bible says. So uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul, who is in, in prison for sharing the gospel, says, as a prisoner of the, for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So just to be crystal clear, again, he's talking to Christians. He's not trying to tell people who don't know God, hey, here's how you should live your life. He's not posting on his Facebook page, hey, here's how you guys should live. There's something wrong with you if you're not living like that. It's not what he's doing. He's writing a letter to people who, first and foremost, they're Christians who experience salvation, right? And we, we, we kind of talked about this. They're Christians who stepped across the line of faith and said, yeah, I believe that Jesus died for me, but now these are people who are seeking sanctification, which is a big word that just means they're seeking, how do I live my life for Christ? Because there's a lot of stuff in this book, and it's kind of hard. So Paul writes to them and says, this is how you do that. So that, that's what we're reading. He's not, he's not trying to tell random people, hey, you should live like me. He's not trying to enforce his morality on people. He's actually responding to people who are asking, how do we do this thing? How do we live our lives in a God-honoring way? So he writes to them and says, hey, I'm urging you to live a life worthy of the calling. Uh, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So he says, hey, you need to be gentle. He's not telling anyone to be a doormat. But he's telling you not to be the aggressive, dominant, I'm going to own you type one. Be patient, which we could all use a little bit more. And he says, bear with one another in love. In other words, those people who can't be gentle, those Christians who can't be patient, those ones who have to be the first to you know, smack someone down, we're supposed to bear with them in love. But if you're Christians... 
doesn't matter your denominational affiliation, doesn't matter which church you grew up in. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That's not what we see in the world today when you look online amongst Christians, right? You see arguing, you see division, you see fighting. He says, no, keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And here's why he says it. He says there is one body, regardless of the fact that there's like over 4,000 denominations in the world right now who all call themselves Christian. He says there is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, that hope is in Jesus Christ. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So just in case anyone is not clear, he says this is all about unity in Christ. It doesn't matter. Some people grew up in affluent neighborhoods, right, in the suburbs. Some people grew up in utter poverty in the hoods. But if we call ourselves Christians, we're supposed to be unified in Christ. Some people grew up with a, a strong Republican background. Some people grew up with a whole big, strong Democratic background. But if you step across that line of faith as Christians, we're out, all now supposed to be unified in Christ, right? We may not like the way the other person votes, but we still have to love them and bear with them, right? And, and, and he goes on, he goes on, uh, uh, there's more. He says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Gentile was a word that used to and specifically meant non-Jewish, but he applies it to non-Christian, those people who don't have a relationship with God. So he says, hey, I insist on it that you no longer live like you don't have a relationship with God. And he says, because they live in the futility of their thinking. Now, here's the thing. He says, I insist on it. And uh, weeks ago, we talked about there's some things that are descriptions of here's what's in the Bible. It's just describing what happened. Some things are a prescription. If you apply it to your life, it'll make your life better. Some things are an instruction, like a command. This, what we're reading, most of the epistles, they're, they're not descriptions of what happened. They're prescriptions. You apply this to your life, it's going to make your life better. And some are instructions. This is a command. It's non-negotiable. Now, this, he says, I insist on it in the Lord, is a way of saying, God didn't command you to do this, but since God sent me to tell you this, I'm going to insist on it in the name of the Lord. So it's a prescription that's kind of walking the line of a command. Like he says, I'm, I can't say God told you to do this, but I'm insist, insisting on this in the name of the Lord that you don't live that. And this isn't to say that if you're a Christian, that you're better than people who don't have a relationship with God. That's not what he's saying. It is to say if you're a Christian filled with the Holy Spirit, you are different. You should live different. Granted, it's going to say, take some time, right? To, to, that's what the whole process of sanctification is. It's learning how to get rid of the old stuff I used to do and learn how to be more God-honoring and treat others the way that God treated me. Uh, so he goes on and he says, they're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. He's going to use that word greed a lot. But he's saying, hey, they don't understand why you're trying to live the way you live. 
And most of it, he says this because, and he's not calling them ignorant like we would call someone ignorant. He's saying they're ignorant of the truth because they've hardened their hearts. They've made the decision, hey, I don't want to hear about you. I don't want to hear about your God. I don't want to go to your church. And he says mostly because it will impact the way they choose to live their lives. Most people choose to live their lives the way they want. They don't want, again, Christians or God or anyone else telling them, here's how you live your life. And most people who are just living their life the way they want, we do, we do the things that give us pleasure. Some of those things may not be good for us. Some of those things may be illegal, but we do the things that give us pleasure. He says, you're not supposed to live like that. That's not for you. That's not the way that God calls us to live. And again, that's the reason most people reject God. And God isn't trying to, to, to kind of like make a bunch of boring people who don't go out and have fun, right? He's not trying to tell you that, you know, you can't go out and have fun, you can't go to concerts, you can't have fun with your friends, you can't do that. He's not trying to tell us that. He's just, he's just um, asking us to live for him by treating others the way that he treats us. And most of the stuff that we're about to read and walk through where he says, and again, it's going to sound like a list of thou shalt and thou shalt not, they're just basic common things of how we should treat other people. And I can't imagine if you pull the things we're, we are about to read away that we would say, well, my life isn't fun anymore because I can't do these things that all of these people are doing, Right? Uh, the, the, these are the things that, that he calls most people to, and, and, and here's the thing, here's the thing. There's a long list of them, so I'm going to shoot through this quickly. He says, therefore, based on the fact that we're not like the world, we're not better than, but we're different, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. No more lie. He says, we can't lie to people. Does that sound like a bad thing? He's actually telling us, hey, you should be honest to the people that you're talking to. Uh, he says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. This isn't saying it's a sin to be angry. He does make the case that if you're holding on to that anger, that's a sin because it gives the enemy cause to come in and then your anger erupts in ways of which there are consequences and on which cause you to treat other people in a way that is not God-honoring. He is not saying you can't be angry. He is not saying it's a sin to be angry. He is saying, if I'm holding on to that anger, that's wrong, because it's going to come out somehow, and it's usually going to come out on someone. He says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. So he says, don't steal. There are some people who would say, well, I can't have fun if I can't steal. But what he is saying is, hey, instead, get a job, go to work. And he was, again, reiterating, so that you can share with those who are in need. He's saying if you get a job and you work, you're supposed to use some of your resources to help those who have no resources. They would be a let, and, and I get that there's this whole thing because a lot of uh, states are like, hey, they're decriminalizing a lot of laws, and so people are stealing like crazy, and they can't hold them accountable. And, a lot, and their, their reason is they're saying, hey, these people have basic needs. We shouldn't deny their basic needs. 47-inch TV is not a basic need, 
but the people that are like stealing food and stealing diapers and stealing this, that, and the other, and I get it because it shouldn't have to fall on the government to try to take care of them, but if the people in their communities, if we know that you have a need and we have the resources to help you, I can't help everyone in a community, you can't help everyone in a community, but we can help someone in the community that has a need, and that's what we're called to do. And then he goes on and he says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to your needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible that most people hate because it says, don't let anything come out of your mouth. And I would, this is me, Floyd, I would add to that come out of your fingers when you're texting or posting or putting something on social media, social media, anything, unless it's going to be helpful for others or build them up according to their needs. This doesn't mean that you can't offer constructive criticism to someone. It does mean you shouldn't tear someone down. It does mean that what you say should build them up and lift them up. And he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Because if I decide, again, Larry's not here, so we can talk about him. If, is he watching online? I don't see him online. If Larry, if I decide I'm going to just tear down Larry because he made a mistake or he did something, and I just rip into him and demean him and ridicule him both here in front of you guys and online and all that stuff. Larry is a Christian filled with the same Holy Spirit of God, so I'm grieving the Holy Spirit because the same Spirit that's in me is in Larry. That's like any parent, you wouldn't want one child to rip into your other child because that child did something wrong. Even if they did make the mistake, even if they were at fault, you wouldn't want, that would grieve you to see your children going at it like that, and it grieves God when he sees that. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, literally fighting, and slander, along with every form of malice. That word malice just means evil intent. And he says, get rid of all of that, but there's more. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Everything he's asking us to do is to treat other people the way that God treated us. And he's writing this again. He's not trying to force this on people that don't know God, forcing his morality on people. He's just telling Christians, hey, this is how you should treat other people, even if they don't treat you like that. And there's more. He says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Doesn't mean we have to sacrifice ourselves for our neighbors. But it does mean that we should put loving our neighbors first. The way, and that, when it says walk, it means just live your life in a way that reflects that you're a child of God. He says, but among you, there, not, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, again, greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. So he says, yeah, even, even with your sexual relationships, do it in a God-honoring way. When it says impurity, uh, impurity is a, a phrase they use to reflect living a sinful life. So if we're living with impurity, we're living with a life of sin. And again, he reiterates that whole greed 
And then he says this, nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. And he's not saying that you can't have fun. He's not saying, like, Floyd, you can't keep talking about Larry all the time when he's not here. He's not saying you can't make jokes. The verbiage that's used here in the uh, uh, Greek that's used here is akin to what we would say is bullying someone, ridiculing them, demeaning them, kind of like mocking them in such a harmful, harsh way that they begin to like feel insecure, right? He says, for this you can be sure, no immoral, when he says immoral, he says any person who chooses all of these things he said, yeah, they're morality, they're God's morality. He's not forcing it on other people, but he's making it crystal clear to Christians and everyone else. Everyone who chooses morals that are outside of God's morality or impurity or sin or greed, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ of God. He says, if you're a Christian and you choose, I'd rather live my morality this way, where I can berate people, where I can be angry at people, where I can mistreat people, where I can watch as people in need, and even though I have the resources to help them, I just mock and demean them for being in need. He says, anyone who chooses that life, which is not God's morality, then God says, okay, that's not what we do in my house, so you're not allowed in my house. And here, let me, let me do this because uh, this is important. Um, I want to summarize this because, again, these are the things that people say we as Christians are trying to force on the world, which we should not be doing. These are the things that we as Christians should be trying to live out so that if someone sees the way that we live our life, they might be like, hey, how can you be so peaceful and calm and respectful to all these people that are mean and whatever to you? And like, uh, you can explain to them, it's because I'm trying to live my life in a God-honoring way. And hopefully they might say, well, I would love to live that way too. How can I do that? Right? So I'm going to summarize these for you. So these are the things that we as Christians are accused of forcing on the culture. Be humble and patient. How many people would say that's a bad thing? It's not. To ask that we be humble, not put ourselves above others, that we be patient and we bear in love with other people. He says, no lying, be honest. I mean, if you're going into politics, that may be a bad thing, but for the rest of the world, this should be a no-brainer. Just be honest. He says, control your anger. Again, a good thing whether you're, you're in your workplace, in your home, in your family, in your schools. He says, don't steal. And, 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 and again, I get this, there's this whole thing about you know, people stealing what they need, but what people don't realize, if I'm stealing from you because I have a need, I've just forced you to have a need because I just took something from you that you needed, that you were dependent on, whether it was from your store, whether it was from your business, whether it was from whatever, now I've just, I put myself above you, so go back to be humble, right? So don't steal. Uh, and then he says, no bullying. There's a whole culture. Every person on the planet agrees, yeah, we should not bully with one another. There's a whole culture of people who that's all they do is bully other people. And he says, encourage others. Lift one another up. Instead of tearing people down, lift them up. And then he says, forgive people. When they wrong you, forgive them. Be thankful for what you have. Now, let me ask a question. Let me ask a question. How many people, uh, when your parents are bringing you up, 
kind of drilled some of this stuff into you. Raise your hand if your parents tried to raise you this way. Yeah, because it makes sense. How many people, and, 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 and be honest, uh, think it's a good idea if we were to raise our children that way? Absolutely, there is nothing here that doesn't make sense or that would make someone say, why are you trying to force me to be humble? Or why are you trying to force me to encourage others? Or why are you trying to force me to be thankful for what I have? Even though we as a church should not be forcing uh, our way of life on other people, we should be living it out so that other people want to do it. And this, this is the reality. This is, and I said, we're going to keep everything, you know, Sesame Street simple. Right? So that plain and easy. Here's, this is not God forcing anything on us. This is God teaching and equipping his children, the children of God. Here's how you behave. Same thing every single parent on the planet has done since the beginning of time. Try to teach their children, here's how you behave. Here's how you treat other people. Here's the way that you should live your life. Right? Uh, I'm going to put this last verse up before we uh, spend a moment in prayer. Because, and this is the Amplified version, it kind of expands on the language. He says, look carefully then how you walk. Again, to Christians, that how you live your life. He says, live purposefully. So we should make a purpose of trying to live this way. Worthily, meaning worthy of the calling that he said that God has placed on us. And accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible intelligent people making the most of the time buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. When he says the days are evil, that's just like we say we're living in crazy times. There's a lot of just harsh and bad and wrong stuff going on these days. Right? And the only way we're not going to have an impact on those people <laughs> I'm so sorry. Don't, don't I'll tell you later. We're not going to have an impact on those people by trying to force our morality on people. We will have an impact on people when we're humble, when we're patient with them, when we're, we're not lying and, and trying to be deceitful and mislead them, when we're controlling our anger, when we're not stealing, we're taking responsibility for our actions, we're not bullying people, we're encouraging people, we're forgiving people, we're just being thankful of people. I was going to have the band come up so we could sing, but I'm about to burst into a fit of laughter. So uh, I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and we're just going to spend a moment in prayer. God, we, we realize that we live, just, just as Paul said, that the days are evil. We live in crazy times where people are just following their own hearts. They're seeking their own pleasures. They're doing what they want to do. We also live in a time where we realize the world looks at the church and says that they're tired of us forcing our morality on them, and that is something we should not do. But what we should do is, as your word says, live our lives with purposeful intent to reflect your goodness and your love for us. And we should live our lives in a way where we are willing to treat others the way that you have treated us. And we pray that you give us the through your Holy Spirit, the desire to do that, the capability to do that. And we thank you for equipping us to do that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 So before we leave, can you stop the, stop the live stream?